You're listening to the Wellington Hustle Interview Project, showcasing Wellington's entrepreneurs, sharing their experiences to inspire your entrepreneurial journey. Thank you for joining me. I'm Tim Morrison. Hey there, it's Tim here with episode 15 of the Wellington Hustle Interview Project. This month, I'm joined by Jennifer Young. Jen describes herself as a recovered, admitted lawyer turned workplace wellbeing specialist, life and resilience coach, facilitator, mental health advocate, youth leadership development advisor, and writer. After graduating law from Otago and a quick change of heart, Jen moved to Wellington to take up a role in leadership development. During this time, Jen struggled with the transition from the world of study to work. This was compounded by the fact that her initial workplace had a bullying environment. Over time, Jen vowed that she never wanted another person to have this same experience and Intentional Generations was created. Now let's listen to the interview with Jennifer Young. Jennifer? So thank you very much for coming and sitting down with me (laughs) and sharing all your inspiration and knowledge with the Wellington Hustle community. Bless, you're so so welcome. Thank you. So first of all, I'll get you to do a quick intro Mm -hmm. into who you are and a little bit of background. Okay, so kia ora, I'm Jen, um, well formerly Jennifer Young, but most people call me Jen Y because Jennifer Young boils down to Jen Y. I'm also, funnily, a member of Generation Y and a millennial, so puns, do what you will. I have, goodness me, I'm coming on 30 in a few weeks, which is mind-blowing, so a bit of a milestone there, and also coming on three years in South Employment Land. Uh, so born and raised in the country, um, went to City High School, went down to Otago following um, a very expected career path because the path that I really wanted to go down, which was teaching, counselling, psychology, um, my parents didn't really approve of. They'd put a lot of money and effort into my education and so I went down the law path. Um, it was either law or commerce really and I I, I can understand why that was um, really encouraged. Um, we had lost my older brother earlier in life to cancer and he was physically disabled and so there was a bit of a sense of um, I'm very privileged, you know, highly educated so you know, go to make the most of your life. And then later later in life, when you know, you've done all the societal tick boxes of career, house, partner, then go and do teaching and counseling and things. It didn't really follow that path. Uh, so I did graduate with two degrees in law and arts. Uh, law, I, I love art history, so arts was my second major. And then I ended up getting a job in Wellington and the government. I didn't tell my parents at the time um, that I wasn't just applying for law jobs, that I was also applying for policy, HR, leadership development, all that kind of thing. I'd, um, when I got a scholarship to do out, Outward Bound, um, I really fell in love with supporting people and nature and developing, uh, developing others. And so I ended up luckily getting a role in leadership development as my first role uh, post-law. And the last three to five years, no, the last five, goodness me, going on six (laughs) years have been the most wild adventure and I'm sure we'll talk more about that soon. What was your vision when you first started your venture? Oh, so the vision when I started. Going to school and being a lawyer. (laughs) (laughs) Going to school and being a lawyer, but no. I mean, in my mind I thought, oh, if I could go and be a judge someday and you know be able to make decisions that really help the lives of others sure we'll keep, we can go do that but that would be many many decades in the future so when I was in a really toxic work environment when I first started out in consulting and um, I 
developed really bad anxiety and depression because of um, just how toxic the environment was and had to really learn how to manage my own mental health and well-being, how to, um, yeah, there was just a huge amount that I personally needed to learn. And also about getting my own well-being back on track and learning how to prioritise that rather than um, being impacted by really toxic environments. So when I first had the idea for GY Insights, which later became Intentional Generations, it was partly influenced by that first working experience of it being so challenging coming from one world of study to one world of work. Um, and also just the complete disjunct I found between um, what I had as a vision for what the work would be like and the working world and then the reality of it, it was, it was a bit of a shock. And I vowed that I never wanted another person to experience that kind of so treatment of- or experience. There was, it was quite a bullying culture. Mm. That was a really big thing that influenced really wanting to make changes in organisations and help others to develop the confidence or courage to either step out on their own or to make positive influences in workplaces so that they became more understanding of wellbeing and life balance and mental health. Um, so that was really, really important when I first started. Um, the other one was I really value variety and freedom. and so being able to do a variety of work that helps a huge variety of different groups from um, corporates and government to business owners that are really struggling, um, managers that have never known how to um, support the young people that might be experiencing mental health um, or wellbeing challenges through to younger people in schools and six to 12 year olds. So that variety was part of the vision where I wanted to impact people and in a way that they could develop different skill sets to navigate life's challenges, to adapt to different climates. Um, COVID is a perfect example. So what are the skill sets and capabilities that we need to develop to better navigate the challenges that are going to be coming? How did you develop what you're doing? How did I develop it? Yeah. Um, actually, <laughs> it was kind of the opposite of um, the name. It was very unintentional. Uh, when I first started in 2017, it was just a blog. Like Gen Y Insights was me sharing different tools and resources and things that I'd learned over the previous four or five years working in leadership development with senior leaders and um, really I had a vision of wanting to bring all that stuff down to younger generations and those that wouldn't be able to afford the kind of training that many senior leaders were privileged to receive. So it was really just a blog (laughs) to start with. And I also blogged about my own my own experiences of treating myself like a guinea pig. So Mm -hmm. I put myself through a challenge I called 40 Days of Facing Fear uh, because I knew where I wanted to be, but I also knew where I was and it was quite different. And the thing that was holding back was real fear of what people might say, of rejection, of not succeeding, of failing, you know, or of of really succeeding. I was afraid of all the things. And so I did something every day for 40 days that I'd either never done before that um, was outside my comfort zone or that like scared me shitless. And then I found by the end of it, my confidence had grown exponentially. I'd ended up booking a plane ticket to the other side of the world and ended up traveling around for three months um, teaching English in Italy and doing like a teach, pray, love kind of adventure. Um, 
And then when I came back, I had had enough time away and deep reflection to really know, yeah, I want to be doing more and not in the corporate environment. Yeah. I want to be doing the stuff on the ground, yeah. impacting and helping people every day for the rest of my life. Yeah, I think it was, I got to the point where some of the anxiety started to come back again because I'd moved from the consulting environment into a corporate learning and development role. And when some of the anxiety started coming back, I was reflecting, why is this happening? And it was partly because the environment, partly because, it, I, I don't know what you believe, but it was almost like something inside of me was saying, you need to get out of here. This isn't what you're supposed to be doing. And I couldn't ignore it anymore. So I, I really had to think what will help me to go from where I am to where I want to be going. And it is literally taking the advice that is basically spoken in every single personal development or leadership development seminar, which is the greatest growth is outside of your comfort zone. And I knew from uh, habit research is that you need to do something for at least 40 to 66 days for something to really become automatic and really impactful. And so I was like, okay, I'm just gonna stretch my comfort zone more and more and more. Uh, and it was it was bloody uncomfortable. I'm not gonna lie. It was <laughs> uncomfortable, it was terrifying, but also the huge amount of growth and learning was huge because you know some of the most impactful experiences we can have are experiences, they're experiential learning. So I lived that and the results of it have they were the beginning, the genesis of where I am today. And I couldn't really, I couldn't recommend it enough to any other person if they're feeling stuck or they're unsure of what they want to be doing or they know what they want to do, they've got a vision of where they want to go, but they feel like stuck in fear or worried about what other people might think about it or especially family, what family and friends think is actually do new things, do things that you've always wanted to do, stretch their comfort zone that sense that everyone looks at the person that is let's say like riding the lion and maybe that's representing the the entrepreneur or the person that seems to be doing all these crazy adventures and feats and everyone's like oh my gosh he's on this lion he's riding it he's so courageous um but the person riding the lion is like holy shit how do i get off and if i get off i'm gonna get in alive um and it is very much what it is like to be an entrepreneur and um, i can't actually take credit for that metaphor it comes from one of my american mentors toby thomas who is this ridiculous entrepreneur creative person and uh, we really got to talking when i wrote um, an article last year about youth mental health and young entrepreneurs mental health um, and it is that sense that a lot of people look at people who seem to have it all together or they seem to have achieved lots, um, but no one has it all together, <laughs> really. <laughs> Just pretending, really. <laughs> the Wellington Hustle Interview Project is sponsored and created by Timson Co. Are you a Wellington hustler? Then support the podcast and level up your brand for 2021 with one of my awesome headshot sessions. Go over to my website, timson.co and click book now at the top of the page and receive $150 credit when you mention the Wellington Hustle Interview Project podcast. And now back to the interview. How did you deal with any early setbacks? I think one of the things that, and I talk a lot about this with um, uh, some of my founder friends. So we've actually got a really lovely support network called Founders Supporting Founders. There's a whole group of us that we get together and we talk about what life is like beyond the marketing. So, 
you know, social media shows one story and um, we don't always show, you know, all the setbacks or the challenges. So that's one of the things I've um, really um, committed to is being honest about the setbacks and the challenges. So for the first year and a half, I, I really didn't earn all that much money. I really didn't. And um, I was giving a lot of my time away for free. And um, I didn't know how to charge. You know, I was basically going and doing things, but I didn't have much experience with running a business or, you know, <laughs> just yeah. knowing how to do everything. I was wearing 20 different hats all at once from, you know, chief marketing officer to operations to logistics and sales and networking and delivery. Um, so, you know, time was a huge thing. Um, I would get offers to keep coming and speaking at different festivals or conferences or events and I, you know, most people wouldn't even offer to pay or they'd expect me to do it for free because I was just starting out. So I'd say that was definitely a setback was the fact that it got so exhausting. Um, I think about eight or nine months in that I was just burning the candle at both ends and having to say, be mindful and take care of your well-being and it was hard it was really really hard and I don't think a lot of people really talk about how hard it can be when you first start when you are doing everything yourself when you don't yet have the luxury or the finances to uh, hire others to support you yeah I'd say like in business there are so many different challenges from uh, rejections of proposals to you know thinking you get something across the line to it all being cancelled to a pandemic coming into the mix. Mm. So all of those are huge setbacks. So how did you go about trying to charge for your service for the early days? Well, I think this was like another comfort zone challenge was yeah. I... Working out your worth. Yeah, working out <laughs> your worth. Um, I started having really honest conversations with females that were a few years ahead of me or a few decades ahead of me in terms of coaching or public speaking or working in wellbeing because up until that point no one had really openly talked with me about money or charging but it was in those conversations that I actually learned oh so okay so that's normal that's not normal so one that was one of the best bits of advice that I ever received was charge for your worth and even if it's really uncomfortable, is um, it's it's not just the hour of work that I do with someone. There's all the prep that goes into it. There's, you know this, right? <laughs> There's and your training as yeah, well. Like the time you've spent getting to where you are. Huge amounts of training. Yeah, the I think I've invested um, tens, twenty, going on forty grand plus into my own training and development. Plus, no, that's just a law degree. Yeah. <laughs> Let's go like 60 grand or something into my training and development. Yeah. Well, I think it's so important to actually charge for your worth because it's all the training you've done, all the experience. And I think the more experience you get, the more that you realistically can charge. Um, the other thing I've learned is um, in, in corporate environments, government environments, if you don't charge a certain amount, they basically laugh at you and think that you're not worth it or you, they think that you're not experienced or that you're not going to do a good job. So. Um, my, my rates are quite variable depending on the environment and so I've had to become a lot more discerning and a lot more 
assertive in who I am and my worth and my value and my time. Because the reality is like there's only so many hours in a day and I can't be here, there and everywhere and I can't give everything to everyone. My energy and time are incredibly precious. They're you know, the two resources that we can't get back. So yeah, I had to learn to be really discerning. Was there a time that you wanted to give up? <sighs> That's such a big question, hey? Mm. Honestly, yes. There's been, over the last three plus years, there's probably been two or three times where I really thought about either giving up or um, you know, taking a break or going into a, a cushy corporate job where I get a steady pay rate every week and I get paid for training and sick days and all that. And bullying. I'll <laughs> <laughs> that part, thank you. <laughs> Maybe not that one. Yeah, I've, I've thought about it on and off, but the reality is even on the really challenging days where I look at how much I've got coming up or maybe I've got nothing for a few days, um, I still reflect back on, so do I want to be in a full-time office environment? And the answer is very clearly no. Yeah, I think... There have been times where it's been really challenging and in those times I have learned to ask for help and reach out to my network and be vulnerable and open about what is genuinely happening and I have been so heartened and surprised many a time at how generous the community is and how understanding people my new I'm just I'm honestly so grateful for so many incredible people that have become not just mentors and advisors but really amazing friends and many are coming to my birthday in a few weeks which is quite sweet um yeah so even in those times I've learned to take a step back and to reassess what my priorities are and my values are and make a decision aligned with that What's like a, a wall that's stuck out that's made you almost want to give up? Yeah, I think COVID was one, to be honest. Mm. COVID was tough. I, I think tough from a, a, a business sense. What was really tough, I found, was that a lot of people said that they wanted my services or my support, um, but didn't necessarily have the budget at the time or they couldn't... Um, spend at that time so for between two to three months during lockdown I gave away my services for either very little money or reduced rates or for totally pro bono um, which wasn't sustainable from a business perspective and thankfully now the last two months have been massive um, and I'm basically booked out until Christmas and in January Um, but yeah COVID was a huge one it really it tested my confidence, it tested my commitment to what I'm doing. Um, it, it was a huge one. Um, but yeah, again, the community. It's Wellington is the most incredible community and people get it. People are so open to talking openly about what's going on and I've really learned to reach out and be honest and know that even when I'm supporting hundreds of people at a time or multiple businesses, that I still need that support as well. So 
I've become a lot more open with everyone about how I'm doing. I'd say one of the hardest things I've found, and it's one thing that I've really come to terms with over the last year, is that I, I work in wellbeing and training and development, and I know all this stuff, and I have all the training, I have all the resources, I have all the understanding, and sometimes I still struggle. So I think it's that sense I've, especially with COVID, I've basically doubled down my understanding of well-being and um, of prioritizing it and also being a lot more compassionate to myself that even though I work in this field like it doesn't mean that I have to have it perfectly together all the time like I'm not superhuman I'm not <laughs> superwoman it's I've had to really work through that internal expectation and also societal expectation mm. that I've felt at times that because I work in this field that I need to have it perfect all the time it's not <laughs> it's not a thing no. <laughs> like life still happens like I had um, like a, a breakup like um, a few weeks ago so my skin's broken out a bit and like you know I'm definitely a bit tired at the moment like I was out dancing until nine o'clock last night which was fab <laughs> And then I come and do a podcast interview in the morning and have a photo shoot and I'm like, oh, shit, I've got bags under my eyes. But yeah, I'm human, right? You just put it down to hard work. <laughs> but also that life balance. Like, mm. I don't want to be one of those people that's working all the time. Like, I really want to live and breathe and have that balance. Were there any traps that you fell into? I've actually never shared this before um, in a, a public setting. Um one of the, I guess we'll call it a trap that I had to learn to navigate earlier on was about what people's intentions were with meeting with me and wanting to work with me or connect with me, um, LinkedIn especially. Um, jeepers, I've had people <laughs> wanting to get my WhatsApp number, wanting to get take me out for coffee. Yeah, I'd say, and I think that's, this comes from being a youngish female, um, especially um, in the public eye and putting myself out there and on social media especially, um, I've had to be really careful as about who I say yes to meeting with. I've had a few instances where there have been some males unfortunately that I've gone out for coffee with or they've said that they want to do work with me but then they've actually tried to proposition me or they've wanted to date me instead and so I yeah I, I do have to be quite careful sometimes it, unfortunately there's still a bit of a perception about um, I think it's a, a, maybe like a looks thing like I have to be careful with what I wear and how friendly I appear with some people so I'd say that yeah one of the traps early on was why do people want to work with me and no I will not go and do one-on-one -on -one work with you back at your home let's meet in a public setting and it, it makes me a bit sad that that's still a thing um, and no I will not connect with you on WhatsApp maybe it's because of my caring nature and because of the natural and also trained skill sets that I've got around listening and caring counseling coaching training etc that unfortunately there are many people that have never experienced that kind of attention before mm. or they've never had or they've really have a conversation with someone that 
really listens and really understands and really hears them. And so, um, yeah, I have to be quite careful of that sometimes and keep it professional. What inspires and motivates you? Well, I think this podcast gives a really great insight into the reality of creating a new venture or creating something out of nothing because it isn't all sunshine, lollipops and rainbows and singing and skipping around and holding hands and shit. Um, Love that though. Love that. So what's your lollipops Um, and rainbows? (laughs) (laughs) What inspires and motivates you? Um, There's a few things. Um, There are a few things that keep me really grounded um, and aware of just how privileged I am in life. Um, One is my older brother, Alex, who would be about 32 at the moment. He passed away when I was eight years old. He was 10, Um, he was my best friend and he was physically disabled um, and passed away from cancer. Um, So that keeps me really grounded and I still um, give back to different communities that support kids that are disabled or um, struggling with cancer. So. I think being aware of my privilege is one thing that keeps me grounded. Um, my mum is another one, so tying into family. Um, my mum is, I'm not gonna cry, I feel it, but I'm not gonna. <laughs> um, my mum is one of the most resilient people that I know. She lost a child when, you know, early on. Um, and also she beat cancer last year, which was really hard as a family. And then she gets the all clear from a cancer diagnosis um, this year. A few months later, she goes skiing and breaks her shoulder. And it's like, what are you up to, woman? <laughs> but she she definitely inspires me. Um, just living. <laughs> just, just living her best yeah. life, really. Yeah. Um, I think the other one is that I, I look back on experiences that I've had and that I would never want other people to have. And so that inspires me to do the work that I do, whether it's in organizations or it's with training youth to develop more resilient, agile uh, capabilities to be able to navigate life's challenges. So I'd say those are things that really keep me inspired and grounded. Um, My privilege, my family, who are the most supportive, beautiful people I know. and then knowing that I don't want others to experience some of the things I experienced back in the day. Can you describe a breakthrough that you're proud of? Yeah, there's been so many breakthroughs over the last six plus years of doing this line of work. Um, one was the 40 days of facing fear and breaking through my own comfort zones and taking a stand for this is what I want to be doing. and unintentionally committing to it at that stage. Um, I think the first year I basically treated what I was doing as a project or an experiment because the idea of running a business or company terrified me. It just seemed way too serious and grown up. And I was like, what, I'm only like 25 or 26. This is (laughs) next level commitment. So when I got the affirmation that it was working, that was a huge breakthrough in that. getting the confidence with coaching and public speaking and knowing that there might be one insight that I share that not just changes someone's mind, but it might change their life. Um, When I launched Intentional Generations, um, rebranding at Genuine Insights last year, a a girl came up to me at the end of the event, um, and this was was actually a bit of a breakthrough moment. Uh, She came up to me at the end of the event and she said, Over the last year and a half, I've been coming to every single event that you spoke at. I didn't know who you were, but I just, 
after the first event, I kept going wherever you were going. Um, and there was one event that she said she went to um, and she didn't feel like going earlier in the day because she was feeling like really, really low, like to the point of suicidal ideation. Um, and she said there was something that you shared during that event um, about, this is one of the things that guides me about getting up, dressing up and showing up every single day, no matter what that looks like, no matter how small, no matter whether that's rolling out of bed, having a shower if you're up to it, um, going for a walk down to the letterbox, getting a bit of fresh air and going back, like getting up, dressing up, showing up. And she said that that stopped her from taking her life that day. And I think that was a bit of a breakthrough moment of realizing, oh shit, this is way bigger than just me saying some inspirational stuff and sharing my journey. When I started being vulnerable and opened about my own experiences and struggles with mental health, everything shifted. And I think it was because I took off, um, took, took off like the hat of people perceiving me to be as perfect or having it all together and being real. And it's something that keeps me going is I know that by sharing my own journey, by being real, it might stop someone from doing something silly or it might change someone's day or it might change someone's path for the better. What do you see as being your biggest lesson? Spending time figuring out what it is that you want to do with your life and your own vision is one of the best uses of your time. I would rather spend 40, 50, 60 hours a week or less than that or more than that building my own dream then building someone else's that isn't aligned or the values aren't aligned. When I was in my first job in consulting, leadership development consulting, a senior leader, we were having a chat at morning tea on a program that I was helping to coordinate, and he said, don't waste your life until you know, you're around about my age. He was in his 50s, and he said, you know, you're in your first year of work, take time to figure out what it is you want to be doing, who it is you want to be working with, what kind of cause or impact really sets your heart alight, how you want to be working, what kind of hours, where, because you don't want to get to my kind of age. And he was in his 50s and he was like, I'm overweight. My wife is divorcing me. My kids can't stand me. I've got a huge mortgage. I feel totally stuck in my job. I've been here for like 20, 30 years. Do not follow the same path I have. And he was, you know, he looked like close to tears. And I, I still have that image so close to my mind. So really, I think spending time reflecting, getting to know yourself, knowing your mind, practicing something like mindfulness meditation or dance or yoga, whatever it is to get to know you is one of the best time investments you can ever make. Has your vision always been clear? Has my vision always been clear? There's so much pressure to figure out, <laughs> I've just gone and given that advice, now I'm gonna go and give some altered advice. Um, <laughs> I feel like there's so much pressure to figure out what it is that you wanna do and stick with it. I'd say that life isn't linear. You know, the research is we're gonna have at least three different careers in our lifetime, and that's great, fab. Especially with COVID, it's, you know, so many of us are being forced to adapt, and that's the reality. No, my vision hasn't always been clear. And I'd say even at this stage um, with my workloads really quite high at the moment with different 
uh, clients and a huge variety of work. Um, I know in the new year I'll be taking time to reflect on what that vision looks like going forward. You know, my vision in January of 2020, early this year, was very clear. <laughs> it was, you know, um, be performance dancing, that didn't happen. Run retreats in Bali, that did not happen. Write a book, that did not happen. <laughs> Run a um, successful six-figure business, um, quite there, thanks <laughs> COVID, but you know, we'll get there. So I think it's the reality that nothing is certain or set in stone and keep adapting. Um, I'd still say that my vision of positively impacting uh, culture change to be more inclusive, intentional and adaptive is still there. How it, how it happens, I'll figure that out when I've got a bit of a break over Christmas time. So what would you do differently if you had to start again from scratch? If I started everything again from scratch, I would have probably done part-time work while I was building things up. I basically went straight into things when I came back from traveling. I was a damned. I was so stubborn. I was like, I'm not going to go back into the corporate world. I'm not going to do it. Um, if I was starting things again, I probably would do two or three days part-time work um, to keep things less financially stressful <laughs> when I began. Um, you know, hindsight is a beautiful thing. Yeah. Um, that time that I spent when I first started, I basically started at the Biz Dojo and very quickly became a sponsored resident and I'm so grateful for my time there. That time in that community, um, it taught me so much about how to build a business connecting with others, giving me the confidence around my skill sets as a baby coach and speaker and facilitator. Um, it was just, yeah, incredible. Um, so yeah, I wouldn't recommend people, unless they've got great financial backing behind them, having financial stress as like an underlying stress is not fun. So I definitely want to do that. Um, I would also have started out earlier with a coach um, and a mentor as well. So really having that advisory system. Yeah. Most important question. Oh. Yeah. Is cool? if anyone who wants to contact you, start a conversation with you or talk to you about what you do, how do they best do that? Well, I'm very happy to be contacted and not just on the work front, but also if people want to have a similar conversation like this around advice around starting something up or um, if they're struggling, more than happy to, if it's not me, then connect you with my network. Um, to connect with me directly, um, my best websites are www.intentionalgenerations.com. We'll put a link below, I'm sure. Um, and also social media on Intentional Generations or GenY Insights. Okay, cool. Well, thank you very much again for Welcome. spending some time to share with me and uh, my audience. Hope it's useful, <laughs> fun and informative and inspiring and all the good things. So thank you very much. You're so welcome. Hey Jen, I know I've said this already a few times in the interview, but thanks for sharing your story with the Wellington Hustle community. My takeaway from your interview is the importance of being present to our privileged lives. We may not be exactly where we'd like, but on a whole, we are better off than a large percentage of the world. We're privileged enough to be able to make choices that change our lives for the better. I guess this is something that should be celebrated. 
For you, the listener, what have you taken away from Jennifer's interview? Please share in the comments over at the Wellington Hustle website. I'll be adding links here for all the resources mentioned in the interview. You'll also find Jennifer's contact details if you want to reach out and start a conversation. Just head over to the website, wellingtonhustle.co, and you will find her there. If you're enjoying these interviews, then please spread the word, share with your friends, or leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. This really helps the Wellington Hustle interview project be found by others. If you're interested in being interviewed for the project or you have somebody in mind that would be a great fit, then please, please, please send me an email on tim at timson.co or head to the Timson Co. website, click on the Wellington Hustle link from the menu and choose Join Wellington Hustle from the drop down. Thanks so much again for listening and until next time, keep on hustling. Wellington.